in some of the other letters, he is correcting false doctrine. Um, in Philippians, man, it's basically a love letter. He adores these people, and he is sending to them his affection as well as, um, as his respect for them, and his, he's letting them know how he prays for them. You know, and, and it just blows my mind that the first, uh, first ver eight verses we talked about last time, and now even verse nine, instead of saying, I'm suffering, pray for me, he is saying, man, life is good. And I'm praying for you that life will even get better for you. What an incredible attitude he had. And so we see in verse nine that he continues in that prayer. He says, it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more. And so we see the, the first uh, essential to spiritual maturity. He's praying that they would continue to grow, that their maturity would continue to increase. And so he says, as the first piece here, I am praying that your love may abound more and more and more. And you know, one of the ways that we come to know that, that, that we are growing in Christ is when we recognize that it becomes easier and easier for us to love those around us. We just finished an entire series called Messy on, in which we agreed that it is difficult sometimes to love your neighbor. But I'll say to you this, that it becomes more natural, more, more real the closer we get to Jesus, the more like him that we become. As we, as we mature spiritually, that love becomes a part of us. Why is that? Well, it's really pretty simple because the Bible says that God is love. God is love. Now, when we become Christians, we become children of God. Since God is love, we would assume then that his children would also love. And so it flows very well in, in our understanding of our relationship to the one who is love that we would begin to love. And he says, Paul prays that we would love more and more and more. In, in 1 Corinthians 13, that great love chapter, there's, a, there's a, an incredible statement at the end where he says, you know, I, I want you to have faith, I want you to have hope, I want you to have love, but the greatest thing of all is love. That's the first essential to spiritual maturity. He said earlier in that chapter of love in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 13 and 3, if I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. You can be a good person all you want to be. You can make all kind of sacrifices if you want to do that. You can give away everything you've ever owned or touched. But if it's not out of love, it's worthless. You haven't accomplished anything unless your service and your sacrifice is done in love. And so he says, I'm praying that your love would abound more and more and more. In 1 John chapter 3, there's an incredible statement that, that, that deserves our attention when he says, we know that we have passed out of death into life. Why? Because, because we, have, we had an experience, because we walked an aisle, because everybody cried. How do we know? 
that we've passed from death into life. He says, because we love the brothers. The first essential is love. The first essential of spiritual maturity. That's how we know that we've passed from death into life, that we're part of God's family because now we love like God loves. By the way, he continues there in that same verse, whoever does not love abides in death. If you don't love, that means you haven't made that transition from death to life. You're not a part of God's family, yet you haven't learned to be like the Father. And notice this interesting phrase here. He says, it is, it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. That is a mature love. He says, I, I want your love to abound more and more with knowledge and discernment. Think of knowledge on one side and discernment on the other. They form the banks of a mighty river of love. Without those banks, without knowledge and discernment, then love just kind of goes every which way and it spreads out and we wind up loving the wrong things. And that's why Jesus told us not to love the things of this world because it's so easy for us to do that. You know, people talk about falling in love. They talk about... Uh, loving the wrong one and they talk about uh, we fell out of love all of that stuff is emotional all of that stuff is an attempt at love without the boundaries of knowledge and discernment you don't fall in love you choose love you decide that you're willing to sacrifice for the well-being of another the boundaries of knowledge and discernment guide our love and direct it in ways that make love a mighty river. And so he says, that's my prayer for you. I'm praying that your love will abound more and more within these banks of knowledge and discernment that direct your love in the right way. And then he, said, he says in verse 10, so that, now notice that so that is important. What that does is it reminds us and informs us that these, these essentials to spiritual maturity are sequential. In other words, oh, that's cool. They're sequential essentials. That's, that's fun. You, one builds on the other. You start with one, and that takes you to the next one, and that takes you to the next one. You, you, it, it's not going to work to try to start with essential number three if you don't start with essential number one. So first, we start with love, right? Love is a bounding Within, this, within these boundaries. And then it says, so that, as your love abounds, so that you may approve what is excellent. When we get love under, uh, when, when we uh, learn love, then we're ready for the next essential, which is excellence. Excellence. He said, uh, <clears throat> he said that you may approve what is excellent. Excellence is the, the ability to discern the good from the bad, which is common, but excellence is the ability to determine the good from the best. Let me say that again. Determining the good from the bad is common. We all want to do that. Excellence is determining the good from the best. We don't want to just settle for good. We want to find the best. We want to strive for excellence. When we're compelled by love, informed by truth, 
then we are allowed to see what is excellent. And that's the prayer that we, uh, that we want to control our minds, that we want to begin to understand, that we want to think in the right way so that love, which is controlled by truth, takes us to excellence. And so in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, Paul says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, how? By the renewal of your mind, the way you think. You want to find excellence? It starts when you really love, and when you love in truth. As you love in truth, then your mind starts working differently, and you're able to be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Excellence. The reason so many people aren't driven toward excellence is they're not thinking correctly. They're, they're, they need to transform their minds. Settling for second best is not good enough when you serve the one who is best. And so as his followers, as his children, as believers, we want to transform our minds so that we start thinking about the excellent things. Later on in the same book of Philippians, Paul explains it to them in Philippians 4 at verse 8, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. One of the reasons some people are so sad and one of the reasons people are so mad all the time is because they're thinking about the wrong stuff. You can bring yourself way down if you focus on the wrong things. And you can get offended by everybody and everything around you if you focus on the wrong things. I went to Walmart the other day and I did not see one TV in Walmart. They had TVs, but I didn't see them because I was looking for a T-shirt. T-shirts are in the front of the store. I can find my T-shirt right away. TVs were there, but I didn't see them because that's not what I was looking for. There are blessings every single day. God is taking care of us. Angels are all around us taking care of us. We have blessings every single day. The problem is, too many of us focus on the wrong thing. We go in looking for somebody to say the wrong thing. We go in looking for something new to be offended about. We go in looking for some reason to say, woe is me. When you go into Walmart, you're going to find what you're looking for. And you're not going to see what you're not looking for. When you go into life, you're going, to see, you're going to find what you're looking for. If your brain is trained to look for the excellent things, that's what you're going to find. If your brain is trained to look at stuff to complain about, that's what you're going to find. I, I really don't understand folks who spend all day being sad and mad and complaining. All you got to do is look for new stuff. 
He said, whatever is lovely, commendable, anything of excellence, anything worthy of praise, think on these things. I read recently about an educational study that was done in which people were given some new concepts. Now, the summary I read didn't explain in detail what those concepts were, but this was a, this was a, a study that was done, a scientific study that was done in which they were given new concepts, something that they had never heard before, and if they were going to believe these new concepts, they would have to set aside some of the things that they previously thought. Okay? Here's a group, big group of people. I'm going to present to you a new concept. In order to believe this, you'll have to set aside some things that you previously thought. What they found in this study was that 50% of the people believed the new concept immediately without thinking. 30% did not believe it immediately without thinking. 15% of the people wanted to wait a while before making up their mind, but they never asked for any clarification or further information. 5% of the people analyzed all the details and then made up their minds. The conclusion of that test was that it is estimated that 5% of the people think, 15% of the people think they think, and 80% of the people don't want to think. Unfortunately, I'm afraid that that is too close to truth. Too often what we do is we pick the news source that fits our narrative that we like, and then we let that news source tell us what to think about the world around us. Too often, too many of us let our favorite Facebook crew tell us what to think. No matter what decision comes up today, we rarely think for ourselves and choose what is best. Usually we wait to see what does, what does our party or our leaning or our group think, and then I jump on with them. The Bible says, folks, that's why you're not happy. The Bible says you want to change your mind, transform your thinking, and start thinking about those things that are pure and true and honorable and those things that are praiseworthy and those things that are excellent. No child of God should settle for second best because we're children of the King, the creator of all that is. And so as, as we want to grow spiritually, we understand the essentials, starting with love. That leads us to excellence. Excellence then leads us to integrity. You see, as we continue, it said in verse 10, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. And so be pure. That word is actually a very fun word. In the Greek, that word means to, uh, that, that you can uh, hold it up in the sunlight. There, there's a phrase there. It's a, it, it's a word that came out of no sunlight can get through. What it's talking about is back when they would make pottery. If there was a flaw in the, the pottery in, in biblical times, you could hold that pottery up and the sun would come through and it would show you the cracks. 
And so this word for pure took on this meaning of uh, the, the sun can't shine through because it's, it's, it's pure, it's solid. The Latin word then that grew out of that Greek word, the Latin word is sincera, which means without wax. And that's based on a similar practice where someone would make uh, porcelain. And after they made a, a porcelain, sometimes if you didn't fire it just right, it would form a crack. Well, then what they do is, is just get some wax and fill in the cracks. And so now you have this porcelain bowl or whatever it is, but it's got wax in it, and you can't really tell. And so eventually, the best artisans would turn that bowl upside down, and they had a stamp. And the stamp said, Sincera, without wax. This is the real deal. And so this word where he says that, that when we learn love and then we strive for excellence, that we can then become people of integrity, it is the word of the, that is pure. In Greek, it means the, the sun can't shine through the cracks. In Latin, it means that there's no wax in this thing. It is what it says it is. And that is our goal as believers, as children of God, to be people of integrity, to be who we say we are. You ever notice the word integrity is the same word as integrate, where you take different parts and you put them together, you integrate them, that is integrity. And what that means is I'm not one person on Friday night and someone else on Sunday. I'm not one person at the office and somebody else at home. It means I've integrated all those bits and pieces of me into one person. I am real. I'm pure. I'm, I'm solid. That's our goal in order to be people of God, in order to grow spiritually. We begin with love, and that takes us to excellence, and that takes us to integrity. But then the, the fourth element that we see here, or the fourth essential is good works. In verse 10, he said, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness. Filled with the fruit of righteousness. As, as we notice how they build on each other, when we, when we learn to love, then uh, we, uh, we, we strive for excellence. As we strive for excellence, we become people of integrity. People of integrity do what? Well, they do good things. And so this, uh, in verse 10, the last part there, blameless for the day of Christ, verse 11, filled with the fruit of righteousness. Fruit just means the product. And so as if I'm a person of integrity, a righteous person, then there are things that are produced. I'm doing good things. And so we do good works as a part of spiritual maturity. Now, good works is not what saves us, obviously, but if we're saved, good works will appear. It's a fruit of the righteousness that Christ gave us. And so in Galatians chapter 6 at verse 9, we're reminded, let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. And so we continue to grow in good works. And then finally, one of the great essentials of spiritual maturity is glory. And what we mean by that is not our glory, but we give glory to God. You see how he ended this paragraph? 
Verse 11, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. 9, 10, and 11 are all one big, very long sentence. English teachers love to look at Paul's stuff because this is just one run-on sentence. Segment after segment thrown in together. He says, it starts, I'm praying that you'll really love. And then they all build on each other all the way up to this final one. To the glory and praise of God. As we grow in him and as our maturity increases spiritually, we realize that our purpose is to glorify God. You are not here to be served by God. You are here instead to give him glory, to point people in his direction and say, look at what a great God I serve. That is spiritual maturity.